Welcome to Girls' Night, the go-to podcast for women in their everything era. That wildly confusing decade-ish where we have to make many of the most significant decisions of our lives all at the same time. Career, marriage, motherhood, and more. Thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. I'm your host, Stephanie Mae Wilson, and each week on the show, I interview some of the world's wisest women on the topics that keep us up at night. You'll walk away from each episode with both clarity and confidence, knowing what your next step is and also how to take it. After all, the best girls' nights aren't just about eating pizza and sweatpants with your friends. They're about problem solving and leaning into the collective wisdom of women. And that's what the show is all about. Today, we're continuing our brand new series on the Girls' Night podcast called How She Does It. Once a month, we do a profile of a woman who's living a beautifully unique life, and we'll get to hear the behind the scenes of how she does it. We'll also get to talk about the things she does, or maybe more importantly, doesn't do, to make it all happen. The idea for this series came to me when I was writing my new book, Create a Life You Love, and so I want to read to you the passage that inspired it. Here it is. Over the years, I've spent more and more time looking for women who are breaking the mold, creating lives that look like them and feel like them and work for them. And the more I see, the more I notice, the more empowered I feel to create my own life in a way that's a little different, a little outside the lines, but that looks like me, feels like me, and works for me and my family. Friends, that's my hope for these episodes. I am so excited about today's How She Does It guest. I'm talking with my new friend and someone I've looked up to, you know, for just about ever, Savannah Guthrie. Savannah is the co-anchor of The Today Show. She's NBC News' chief legal correspondent, and she's a primary anchor for the network's election coverage. Casual, right? You guys, I am not exaggerating when I tell you that this is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. It was so encouraging, both personally and professionally for me, and I know it will be for you too. In this episode, you'll get to hear Savannah's career backstory, the twists and turns and detours that led to where she is today. I walked away so encouraged and so inspired, and I know you will too. So you ready to dive in? Here's my conversation with Savannah Guthrie. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. 
So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. All right, friends, I am just like over the moon about who I'm sitting with here today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, if I may be so bold, Savannah Guthrie. Savannah, welcome to Girls' Night. Thank you. I'm so happy. I love a Girls' Night. It is. Is there literally, is there anything better? No, a a Girls' Weekend. A Girls' Weekend or a Girls' Trip, if you can get like a week or so. Yes, yes, exactly that. Um, For women, for the like two women who don't know who you are, or maybe need a reminder, whatever, everyone knows who you are. (laughs) Tell us who you are, what you do, and I'd love to hear a fun fact about you. Oh, okay. My name is Savannah Guthrie. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. I'm currently the host of the Today Show on NBC. And a fun fact, 
is that I was born in Melbourne, Australia. How long did you live there? Two years. I have no memory of it. We moved when I was a baby, a toddler, but my father was posted there on business and I happened to come along during that time. So I'm an Aussie, kind of, not really. That is so cool. That is that is a great fun fact. That is a really good fun fact. Um, well, so here on the show, we talk about what I like to call the everything era. And it's this weird, wonderful, wildly difficult span of years between our late 20s, kind of early 40s-ish, where we make a lot of the most biographically uh, significant decisions of our lives, like career, marriage, motherhood, all of all of it at the same time in front of a very opinionated audience. And so today I really want to hear from you um, two things. One, about your life and about how you've put it together in a way that fits you. Because I think that you know we can't be what we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And so the more examples we can see of women living lives their own way, I feel like the more permission we feel to do the same. Um, and then also, I know that when women are successful specifically, I don't know if men get this question, but women, everyone wants to know, how do you do it all? Mm-hmm. And I know the answer is never Oh, as always, I don't. Yes. I don't. I don't. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So I have a million questions and I'm going to try to be so, so quick about them. No, I'm, I can't wait. I'm excited. This is like my favorite subject. It's, I love that. I love that. Well, so can you tell us a little bit about what this has looked like for you? Like what were some of the biggest supposed tos you've wrestled or like you wrestled with as you were making all of these giant decisions in your everything era? You know what? My 25 to 40, I'm going to go ahead and go up to 45, 50 has, has been, it's just a monument to detours, zigzags, wrong directions, reverse, down in a ditch, up over the hill, some triumphs, a lot of heartache. Nothing was a straight line. Like I, I sometimes joke, I'm like, no one would want to follow my path. Like my path is a, a zigzagged, jaggedy, broken, sometimes heartbroken line. But somehow... Somehow God works it out, I find, it in a way that is it was things happen right on time, just as they're meant to. And it's hard to know that when you're just starting out or you're in the midst of making these threshold decisions that feel and frankly are so consequential. You yeah. know, it's not one of those things where people are like, oh, you know, you're making a big too big of a deal if you should sign this lease or that. It's like, who should I marry? Fundamental question. Giant what should my job be? fundamental. Where should I live? Fundamental. So I really always say to, you know, folks in this age group, which I still count myself an honorary member of, even though I'm now 52. Um, but I, you know, it's like, it's, it's not easy. And, um, people always want to like romanticize youth and there's a lot that's wonderful about it, but it's also really, really hard. So I don't know if that's a long-winded way of, of asking how did I do it? Uh, it wasn't pretty, but I got here. You know, I, I um, spent a lot of years working on my career, trying really hard and actually, and we can get into it a little bit. I mean, that's, I did a couple things in my career that were at the time unthinkable and insane, but I followed my gut and it ended up working out. And tell me, of, okay, you have to, you have to tell me more about that. Okay. What, yeah. I think the like the biggest example I have is when I, I I started in local news. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. I was just a regular girl. I have you know no connections. There's I was quite literally the last person you would think is going to end up on the Today Show. 
the last. I studied journalism. I had some clips. I worked at a local TV station. Um, and I was, I mean, I, it like behind the scenes during college is just a job, part-time job. And I started after college to try to land my first job in television news, which at that time, you know, you were just sending tapes, literal tapes all over the country. And you, you know, were looking for a job that paid $12,000 a year. And, you know, you carried your own camera and ran around. And that was, that was the thing. So I, I did that. I went on that path and I, I started in a really tiny market in Butte, Montana, and then Columbia, Missouri, and then back to my hometown, Tucson, Arizona, which was a good market. And I was kind of on my way. And I started to realize that I, I needed to move on. I had to go to like the next big market. And I was not sure I wanted to anymore. Here I had poured all this time and effort, six years already of my life. I was 27 into being you know, on television and being a television journalist. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take this LSAT, the law school entrance exam. And then that way it's kind of in my back pocket. And if I decide that I don't want to pursue TV or I, frankly, what I actually thought was I can't get a job in a bigger market, I'll have a backup plan. Well, out of the blue, I got a letter after all the law school deadlines had passed. I got a letter randomly from one law school, Georgetown Law, which actually was kind of my dream school because I had lived in DC as an intern in college. And it said, we will extend the deadline and invite you to apply if you do so in the next three weeks. So I thought it was like, a, it was so bizarre and kind of unheard of. I was like, what? Yeah, like, is that I, a thing? Uh, That's not a thing. It's not a thing. I mean, I've talked to the admissions director, Georgetown, about it since. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, you sent me a letter and I applied after the deadlines passed. And I actually had just broken up with the boyfriend and was like, all oh, just in despair. And like, what am I going to do with my life? And then all of a sudden this letter comes and I felt like it was, you know, God opening this door. And I was like, I think this is my job to walk through it. So I threw out, I threw out the application. I th- you know, threw it together in a couple of days, sent it off. Three weeks later, I'm in. And so I had to make this decision. Do I stay with TV or do I try to go down this path, move across the country, not a dime to my name, not a dime in financial aid, borrowing you know $200,000 to do it and saying goodbye forever to TV? And what should I do? And I hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. And I had... Um, a, a, a reporter who I knew and had kind of worked with, it was kind of a mentor to me. And he, I asked him for his advice and I was like, you know, just doing the whole like, but what if this? And what if I want to get back into TV and then I never can? And what if I'm sorry? And I was doing the whole thing. And he said, Savannah, think big. And even though it's sort of a cliche bumper sticker slogan, I knew what he meant in that moment. He meant dream your biggest dream. Don't sit here and think about all the what ifs and what if I can't and how, you know, how will that, how could this work out of that? He's like, think big for yourself. And I went home and I thought, what is my biggest dream? You know, what do I, what do I really want? And I thought, well, secretly, I would like to be on the network news and be a legal correspondent. And when I admitted that to myself, this big, insane, far-fetched dream then I knew what to do for the next step. I thought, well, then I guess I better go to law school because that would be a good background to have. And I don't know if I'll ever get back into TV. I don't know. I have no... I'm in a medium market in local news. Who? How am I ever going to get to the national networks by getting out of TV and going to law school? It's an insane idea. But I did it. And 
it ended up working out. So that was like one of those big seminal moments where I did something really kind of crazy and life worked out. I love that so much. This is like my, I have a degree in broadcast news. I wanted to be a journalist. I actually ended up being a missionary for a while instead. Like that was kind of a crazy left turn. Um, but I did a political journalism internship at Georgetown uh, oh. for the summer. I know, I know. I'm sitting here going like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I love that so, I love that so much. If you could, well, I guess you might've already answered this. If you could go back and talk to yourself as you were making some of these decisions, is that what you would tell yourself? Like, think big? Yes, but I think, honestly, I think I'd tell myself not to worry quite so much, mm-hmm. which I don't think is advice I would even be capable of taking. So I don't know how far that gets anyone, you know? <laughs> like, I don't want to tell your listeners, don't worry. It's like, they'd be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, you know? Like, you get to look back on it now. It worked out. Like, you now you know that it kind of worked out. I don't know. Um, but that is what I would tell myself. I I really thought of everything as kind of a be-all, end-all decision. It's like the fork in the road from which there was no recovery if you chose wrong. And life has taught me that that's not the case. And I mean, I've thrown myself off this path that I'm now, you know, I mean, for, for my career, it would have been, I mean, I was, I didn't even dare to dream to be the anchor of the Today Show, but probably secretly, secretly down deep, I really dreamed that. But I, that I couldn't even admit to myself. Mm-hmm. But I threw myself off that path more than once, more than twice, maybe three times. And somehow I still ended up here. So there's a place where you have to follow your gut. You have to take big risks, not stupid risks, but big risks. And then there's a a little bit of trust and faith that you're going to end up where you're meant to be. And maybe where you're meant to be is not necessarily where you think you want to be, but you can't write yourself out of your own destiny. I, I write that in my book and that's how I feel. It's like, you know, we get to choose our steps, but I believe, you know, my faith is that God is, is, has already set out our path. Mm-hmm. So for example, I, you know, w- there was a time when uh, in my thirties, I was working at Court TV. It was still my dream. This is after law school. There's a whole story there too. Um, I don't know how long, if you have a seven hour podcast for all the times I crashed my career and ruined my life. But if you have, <laughs> if you have more time, I'm happy to get into it. But, I, do, um, I, have, I have as much time as you have. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. Okay, good. Because I got a lot of stories. But I mean, this is just a good example of that. I was at Court TV, which was a legal network. Um, and it was big at the time because there were all these big celebrity trials. And I went around the country. I was a lawyer and I was on TV and as a reporter. So, you know, it was a great combination. I was kind of on that path for that legal correspondent job at the network that I had dreamed about 15, 20 years prior. I recently had gotten married and I lived in Washington, D.C. And all of a sudden, I get a call from NBC News in New York saying, we've, we've seen your stuff on the air. We want to hire you for a job in New York. And this was my dream job. But I had just gotten married and... My husband's job was in Washington. It was a non-starter. And side note, I had I wanted to have a family and be married so, so bad for most of my 30s. I wanted that more than I wanted anything in my career. In fact, I would have dumped my career over in one hot second if my personal life had ever worked out even like moderately, but it hadn't. But suddenly I had, I'd gotten married and I thought... This is where the rubber meets the road. All those years that you prayed for a husband and you prayed for a family, 
and here comes your job of your lifetime, but you got to say no. And I did. And it broke my heart, but I thought that was the right thing to do. Now, let me just tell you, just to put the knife in a little harder, that unfortunately, that marriage, it's a whole thing, but that, it didn't work out. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm not I'm laughing, so I don't cry. But I mean, it's okay. It's fine. It was like a short-lived, it just, you know, that's... But the point is, that happened. Then my marriage didn't work out. Imagine you're me at 36 years old. You're like, boy, have you screwed it up bad, Miss Savannah. But over time, another job came around in Washington for NBC News and they came back to me and I took that job and then I was on my way. And so this is what I mean that you cannot screw up your life. You can mess it up. You can throw yourself off the path. You can certainly make things more difficult for yourself, but your path is your path. So make your best right decision. You know, I always tell our interns or young people that work on our staff, like, if you're weighing this career opportunity or that career opportunity or you know this internship or that internship, just dream big about where you secretly wish or hope you would be. And don't, when you're dreaming to yourself, don't go small, go big. If you think you're Oprah, you tell yourself that. And then you don't, don't tell anyone else, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> tell your journal. Technically taken by Oprah herself, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Don't even <laughs> tell your mom, but tell your dog. Um, no, but like, go ahead and be like, if I could wave a magic wand, this is what I think I would like to be. Or And then look at the opportunity that is actually before you and say, now, which one of these is one step, even if it's an inch of a step, which is a little closer to that place where I think I want to go. That's all I can say. And that's not a guarantee that that will get you. You may never get there, but you want to feel that you're going in the general direction of your dream. And then you have to trust that life works out the way it wants to. It doesn't always work out how you want it to, when you want it to. There will be those dark wilderness moments. And in those moments, I hope a story like mine tells you that there there can be hope and there can be light. I mean, I know how lucky I am and how blessed. Oh, I love everything about this. Do you, this is such a random thing. So I have uh, twin three-year-olds. Aww. And so I spend a lot of time reading stories. Have you read uh, Rosie Revere, Engineer? I'm, not only have I read it, I kicked myself for, I wish I had written it. It's so good. It is so good. It is, I like, I'm like, this is our favorite book now. We just read this. Oh, let's, Architect, you want to read? Architect, Architect. There's like three of them. And okay. then- Data Twist Scientist. No, I have not. And I'm getting on Amazon immediately after this to buy them. They're all so good. There's a part in it where like she has all these dreams and she's she kind of gets laughed at, you know, when she brings them to light a couple times. And um, but she has this like great aunt Rose who comes in and believes in her dreams and she says, the only like failure comes if you quit. Like And I just feel like that's so your story. Like if you had quit, that would have been the end of the story. Yeah. But I actually did quit sometimes and it still wasn't the end of the story. That's kind of the perspective that I'm trying to share, you know? And, And there's, look, when you're in it, if you had told me that when I was 36 years old and divorced, I would have been like, forget it. You're crazy. Why? That's like, that's like believing in Santa Claus. You know, that's like, that's, that's crazy talk. But all I can tell you is that I really believe and have been blessed enough to see that like, 
you know, life has a way of working out. It, sometimes it's good that it's not all up to us because our choices aren't all that great. Sometimes <laughs> it's nice to, sometimes they are, but it's, it's nice to leave a little space for, for fate. And if you're a person of faith for God, for your destiny and trust that whatever it is and on whatever timing, that timing is just right. I mean, I had my kids at 42 and 45 or 41 and 44. I can never remember because, <laughs> because I'm middle-aged and I can't remember anything anymore. But um, the point is, is like, I thought it was over for me. I didn't, I didn't think it, I knew it. And yet it wasn't. And so I just hope that I can just extend hope. Even if you don't believe it, you don't really, or you're cynical about it because you've been hurt and frustrated. You know what? Wouldn't you rather just hope? Like you could sit there and be like, I know it's not going to work out. I know I've screwed up. I know, or I'm afraid. I'm afraid, but there's nothing wrong with hoping, you know? Even if you end up feeling like, well, what if I hope and I am disappointed? It's like, wouldn't you still rather spend your time hopeful? Well, like, aren't you disappointed anyway? Well, right. I mean, hope is just a, but I, um, I remember once I, I grew up around in Tucson, Arizona, and I know like a little bit of Spanish. I'm, it's a lifelong goal to learn Spanish. That's what I'm going to do when I retire. But um, I always was struck that in Spanish, this is kind of odd, but in Spanish, the word for wait is the same word as the word for hope. It's one word, esperar. And it's like, for some reason, that was so profound to me when I realized it. I was like, waiting and hoping are the same thing. It's just how you wait. Do you just wait or do you wait with hope? In Spanish, it's the same word. I knew that, but I didn't know that. That is, I, I always found that to be so interesting. That is so, okay. I feel like we are all going to have to just like lay down and process after this. <laughs> um, I love this. I love this so much. I want to ask you, you know, we, when women are successful... And again, do men get this question? I like don't know that they do. Um, everyone always wants to know, how do you do it all? How do you balance everything? Yeah. But the more women I talk to and the further I get in my own story, the more I know like that is not a thing. Nobody does it all. No. Um, tell us just as much as you can, as much as you feel comfortable, like what don't you do? Or what do you outsource? Oh, what have you like just had to get over? In order okay. to make space for the well, life you have. This is so embarrassing. So like, if we have any judgy McJudgers out there, get ready, rev your engines. Because I mean, first of all, look, I've worked a long time, you know, and I'm so blessed to be in this job and to have time and resources I never had. You know, I could not have had, I mean, I know plenty of colleagues who do, but like when I was working at the White House and working 16 hour days, six days a week, I don't know how I would have been able to you know, have kids and do all that stuff. But right now I have a job that's, while well, it has this is a lot of pressure and there's odd hours and there are moments of super high intensity, it is actually a great mom job and, mm -hmm. and predictable and it's hours mostly. And so the things I don't do are a direct um, result of the, the benefits and the, that, I, that I'm lucky enough to enjoy because I have this great job. And so one of the things I don't do, I'm giving you this whole preamble to just say, I get it. One of the things I don't do is cook because I can't. I just can't. So I have a babysitter. You know, I have two kids in school. I have a full-time job. The babysitter cooks. I do not. 
Now, I wish that I could. When I try, the kids don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. So I'm like, I'm at peace. You could either have frozen popcorn chicken every mm-hmm. night and no vegetable. Mm-hmm. And have that would be what I cooked. Or you can have the babysitter while you're off at school. She makes a little something. So that's like a thing that I don't do. Bless it. And I think everyone wants me to not do that. But also it's like, if you're able to, if there's some things that you can give up and, you know, again, I recognize the privilege of having someone, having a babysitter who can cook for me, you know, like my mom cooked, cleaned, did everything, you know, so she, she was constantly working as a stay-at-home mom. For me, that means that in the afternoon, I can be with my kids all afternoon and take them to all their activities and play dates. So it's sort of like, I, I get to make that choice. That is a lucky choice to even have the opportunity to make, but it also is, I think my time is so much better spent hanging out with them and doing their homework or playing blocks or, you know, Battleship. Yes, you sunk my Battleship again, Charlie. Like, (laughs) so much Uno, so much crazy. It's, uh, there just isn't enough time in a day. Yeah. Like, there there just isn't. No one gets more than 24 hours, right? And so, like, everything takes time. You can only cram so much in. Yeah. And also, I feel like we need space, you know, and that's a luxury that a lot of, young people, young working women, young moms, young working moms. I mean, not just moms in general of any age. Like you need space just for yourself, like space of nothing. Not, I mean, I'm all into self-care. I love a massage as much as the next guy. But like what we really need that we just don't any of, not one of us get enough of is just time to do nothing, to be almost to get bored and be like, maybe I should write in my journal or, you know, it's like, that's those moments when you're, when you're young or you're in college or whatever. I mean, I, that's how I learned to play the guitar. You know, I had a job, but I didn't work the weekends and I'd sit all day and like try to learn a song on the guitar and sing, you know, it's like, we don't have that space to discover aspects of ourselves anymore. So if you can find a little way to find that space, I think that, um, it's, it's really, it's so fulfilling. And also it's such a self-discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. This is kind of similar, but I wanted to see like what comes to mind for you. So, you know, we see the highlight reel of everyone else's life. And I think when we do that, it's really easy to assume that every part of their life is as put together as the parts we see. And really my favorite way to combat that like comparison that creeps up is by reminding myself and everybody else that for everything you do see of a person's life, there's also so much that you don't see. And so... um, Most of it, I would argue. Yeah, right? So like, if you can fill this in for us, what you see is blank, but what you don't see is blank. Yeah, that's such a good question. I, um, well, I'll tell you and then I'll give my whole long explanation. I'll say what you see is, I hope joy and smiles and happiness. What you don't see is anxiety and fear and self-doubt. And that doesn't mean that I'm putting on a veneer of happiness and joy and all that. That's me. But so is the other part. And, you know, it's taken me a long time to be able to just make friends with that aspect of my personality and to... um just accept that, you know, I mean, I, I'm a worrier, you know, um, I, I 
like I said, have a lot of self-criticism. I have a pretty harsh inner critic. And that's a lot to contend with. That's a mountain to overcome every day. And I'm, I'm learning. Some days I'm better at it than others, you know? And, um, but I, I think that's probably because, you know, my job is to like to get up and, and smile. And it's genuine because I love this job and I love the people I work with. And um, I'm a morning person. I mean, four o'clock in the morning does... Thank goodness. <laughs> ...concept a little bit, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I love it and that is who I am. But I also, I need time alone. I need time to write in my journal or plink on my guitar or just cry, you know, just to like let out the steam. I'm super, super sensitive deep inside. So that's what I think I'd, that'd be my best answer. Like even when I go, I, I think about it at work all the time and people are like, how do you do these interviews? Or oh my gosh, you had to go do a debate or a town hall or this or that. And like, weren't you, you, you didn't seem nervous, weren't you? I'm like, what? I'm, if you had, I mean, if you had like a diagram of like my inner dialogue and self, it'd be like black marks. Like, ah, like I have so much anxiety and stress, but that's kind of part of what I've learned is like, that's my process. It's not pretty, but that's how I get to where I can come and do the job. I'm not doing the job without those feelings. I'm doing the job with those feelings. And in spite of those feelings, there's no moment, not leading up to this very morning on today, that I didn't have at least one thing where I felt anxious about it or a little nervous. Or if you had said, you don't have to do it, I'd be like, oh, great. I don't want to. You know, I mean, because I, I kind of, I can get in my head about things. And so the, the one of the things I've learned in this job, and it probably applies in personal things too, is just to just accept that that's who you are. That is your process. That's how I study. That's how I get ready. Sort of, you know, it, it looks like anxiety. It is kind of anxiety. You know, I don't mean it in some clinical sense, but it's like, that's just who I am. That's part of who I am. And that's okay too. Yeah. 